Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 87. We're back. We are. We're back from our break. We are. It was a lovely break. I didn't actually realise how much I was looking forward to having a break until we had a break. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that, that week that you spent offline and got out of routine, I bet that was really good. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I mean, I, like, anyway, as we said yeah. <laughs> before we took a break, uh, it was... The kids were on holidays and um, yeah, we were going to take the opportunity to actually have some some time off. Um, and it, it was just delightful to break out of that rhythm. Really was. I will say, though. Yeah, do. That uh, this was the first set of school holidays that we have had to juggle you being at home. Um, sorry, that sounds ter- terrible. Uh, the first time that... We've had to negotiate two work schedules during school holidays because the last time we were on um, school holidays, we were in Canada and that was obviously just completely different and we we did a lot of front-loading of our work before we went to Canada, whereas this time it kind of snuck up on us a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It did. I must admit it was very difficult. It was always going to be difficult. I'm glad that we didn't have to record some podcasts during that time because that would have been crazy town. Yeah. So I don't know whether we uh, knew that beforehand and that's why we had a break. I don't know. Was that your plan all along? My wicked plan. It's not wicked. No. It's it very sensible. I'm wickedly sensible. Mm. Um, no, I think – look, I think that it's the first time that we've had to – Look, without sounding like I'm pointing the finger at you, I don't think you'd ac- you actually considered the implications of school holidays on working, like on your work life now that you're self-employed. I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. But you just you just you've never had to think about it before. No, because you've always you've just been at work, and mm. that's been my my area of you know being at home with the kids. So it hasn't made an impact on you other than. The kids going to bed later during school holidays, really, up until like they they stay up. Yeah, they do. Later. Yeah, yeah. Yep. you know we have no set routine in the holidays. This time, this this break was the first time that you've had to, I don't negotiate it, and I like yeah. Thank We're you. learning. <laughs> Thank you, though. That was that's correct. It's a correct assumption to make, and I I want to thank you for making that easy for me. Oh, you're welcome. Don't <laughs> let it happen again. No. <laughs> Just go on holidays every single time. There's holidays. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, that's that's doable. Stop my life. So what else is happening? So I know that quite a few of you guys would have seen um, that while, while we're on our break, I was on a, uh, a panel TV show called Insight on SBS. In Australia. In Australia. Uh, and it was, it was an interesting experience. It really was. Let's talk a little bit about that whole process. Okay. Okay. 
and how uh, you were approached and what that happened. So it all started... Back in 1993. Yeah, a long time ago. But basically the a producer for SBS reached out to you... Yes. ...and asked whether you'd like to be part of a show on minimalism. No. She said, would you be interested in being part of a show about our attachment to things? Okay. The different levels of attachment that we can have but having, to our stuff. And, and recognising you as someone that had a very strong opinion about that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's how it started out. And there was a bit of toing or toing and froing. And it got to the stage where you had to commit one way or the other. Mm. And they wanted to come out and film the house. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Because it wouldn't have been the first time that people have filmed our house. No. A couple of years ago, we were part of another TV show about um, minimalism. They, um, yeah, we're really keen to come and film our house. I really desperately uh, didn't want to. And as luck would have it, we were having our house painted at the time. So I'm like, ah, sorry, I'd love to be involved, but you can't come to our house because it's been painted. Um, you know, let me know what else I can do. <laughs> and they came back and said, look, we're happy to wait until the house is finished being painted. Uh, you know, is that going to be okay? And I didn't answer their email for about a week, hoping that they'd go away. <laughs> no, you, but you were having some very internal, deep internal discussions about uh, that and you were very uncomfortable about it. I was really it. uncomfortable we about it. We spoke about it quite a lot and basically my advice to you was if you feel, why are you making yourself feel this uncomfortable? If you're this uncomfortable, you know, why are you even exercising the possibility of them coming to film because it's a choice you had a, a choice absolutely i did have a choice uh, and in the end i decided to say yes but i really did have some deep misgivings about um what they were going to do with that like i didn't i i think you guys know by now that i i don't like labels i don't like the idea that there is one right way to do things that there is a one-size-fits-all solution to anything let alone something as personal as how you live your life and what your home feels like. So I really, really didn't want our home to be used as like a, not a yardstick or anything like that, but like as a, I don't know, a pointed point of difference to, to mm. the way other people live. Like I, I just did not want to be put up in comparison to other people because the way I live and the way other people live, neither of those has anything to do with the other person, you know, mm. and I really... I hate comparison. I absolutely detest it. I think it's so damaging. So I was very nervous that they were going to, you know, to pit us mm. and as an example of, of, you know, one way to live or a, you know, a way to live. And you've written some very pertinent blogs on comparison. Yes. And you're writing a book on comparison essentially okay. as well. Yep. So, I mean, I guess that that was your initial sort of misgivings about it, but you did say yes. And then as the story developed, you then found out that you'd be positioned as a minimalist. Mm. So the program, um, as they tend to do, they develop and it was basically you were going to provide the other, the other side of the coin of hoarders, hoarders yeah. or hoarding. I, like, look, I turned up to the, the, the TV 
state like this the station the night of filming and found out that they changed the whole premise of the show from attachment to stuff to hoarders and like I, i'm gonna say there was a panicked phone call to ben going i'm going to be set up as the, the s- villain no well yeah no i wasn't even worried about that but like the smug kind of i don't know know-it-all the person who has the opposite approach to stuff and you know like pitting my approach to life against the the other guests approaches uh, and that made me super super uncomfortable uh, anyway i was in it was too late <laughs> yeah, was there. you're actually in the studio hair and makeup done after they'd come and filmed our our house yeah. and um so that was a that was a bit confronting it was you know it was and then i sat in the the studio for two hours while they filmed the show and listened to some really like tough stories from people, particularly people who were ho- like, who suffered from like hoarding. What did you find out about hoarders? Oh, <laughs> it's such a deep-seated issue, one that I can't even imagine. I can't even begin to fathom what it would be like to live um, as a hoarder, and not in terms of the stuff involved, but in terms of the mental anguish involved. Like these guys. Um, there was two people particularly who really, I found their their stories very, you know, mm. sad and and sad because they were sad about it, not sad because it was different to how I live, but sad because it was obviously a very real struggle for them. But they they felt a like an emotional connection to their stuff. They felt like it was an extension of their their being. One of the one of the guests said that he felt like it was a like a newborn baby of his. It was just stuff. It was it was stuff and they had a significant amount of it. You know, like these people were – like they were suffering mm. because of the stuff that they had brought into their home. And um, it was really overwhelming actually and I felt more and more uncomfortable mm. about how I was going to be called on during the filming because I just did not want the, the host to turn around and say, so Brooke, what do you think about this? You know, and, mm. or, and look – I said yes. I chose to be there. Mm. I'm, I don't regret it mm. at all because I learnt a lot about, uh, you know, what people who hoard go through and why they find it so difficult to break out of it mm. and what services and specifically what lack of services there are to help people mm. and also the lack of understanding. Like people have no empathy or sympathy for people who hoard because they, they only see it from their perspective. Yeah. You know, and um, so I don't regret being part of it, but I just I really didn't love being pitted as the opposite side of the coin. And look, on when it was uh, when the program was actually produced and finally aired last week, um, the you were portrayed very well. I oh, mean, look, you, it was what fine. you said was was spot on. You know, you made sure that you empathised with uh, the the hoarders that were there. Because I did, like, because I did uh, empathise, no, yeah. I, I, absolutely, you did. What I found pretty insightful was the fact that hoarding is a mental illness. Yeah. it. it I never, never appreciated that, that, mm. that most, if not all, of hoarders have some sort of mental issue that, you know, makes them do that. Yeah, there's there was there's a lot of trauma in Huge. particularly the two guests who were on the yeah. show, like listening to their story, a lot of which didn't actually make the the final cut of the show. Um, but there was a lot of trauma. In because their what lives. I, what I found insightful was they don't want to be hoarders. Like deep down, they don't they don't really want it. 
Yeah, I don't think we can. I don't think we can make a generalization like that. Right. I, I don't. I think one of the guests, Moira, yeah. really wanted to change. To change but yeah. the other guest, um, Stuart, was probably more conflicted, and his desire to change, I think, seemed to be more. Uh, tied to his kids. Yeah, exactly. Tied to other people. And he said if it was just him, he would be happy to live like that Mm. because it was comfort for him. His stuff, as much of it as there was and as many challenges as it gave him uh, in terms of like keeping house and all that kind of stuff, it it comforted him. Mm. Um, So I don't think, I don't know enough about it to make any, to cast any aspersions about how. Or judgments. What what I really learned from it is that not that I judge these people, but there really is. It's not. It's not a. It, it's not something that they can choose to do. I feel. I feel that it's very mm. deep seated. Absolutely. And is an illness, and I have a lot more empathy to them and understand them a lot better from that from that program. So that's why I was I was glad to be involved, but I think it would have been just as an in, just as interesting a program without without the minimalism side of it. Like I think that it would have just been as interesting because I don't think you can compare where I'm at. And I had just a, like I said on the show, a typical house full of typical crap. Mm. You know, typical boxes that were unpacked that were that remained packed up after moving and all that kind of stuff. Like that was just typical. That was not problematic in a No. You know, in a mental health we kind of way. Ho- you weren't a hoarder. We weren't <laughs> was a hoarder. nowhere near no, a hoarder. No, I know, exactly. Um, so I think that it was, I don't know, it, it, it wasn't necessary to, to have me on there. Mm. Um, but, look, I was happy to be involved in something that, I guess, spreads the word about the difficulties that people face in letting go. And they said something, like, crazy to me, like 600,000 people in Australia are affected by hoarding. 600,000? Households, yeah, six hundred thousand households. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that's just an approximation because it's something that people really do um, keep quiet because there's a lot of shame and stigma involved. Because there's something only like four point eight million households in Australia. Mm. So thanks, stats man. No worries. (laughs) Um, So that's a huge, huge percentage Mm. that are that are hoarders. I mean, I, I. yeah, it's a big problem out there. Wondering whether that's something that we will explore more. Um, well, I met a woman. I went. I met a woman uh, on the, the filming. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, whose parents were both hoarders, and she herself was a hoarder, and then um, has now embraced minimalism, a much simpler way of life. Mm. And that I found her story far more interesting than ours because she'd seen both sides of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, has obviously had to battle a lot to, to get to that stage. So I'm hoping that I can uh, tee up a time to interview her because I think her story would be I amazing. Uh, yeah, so, look, it was interesting. But I think the reason that I want to talk about that, mm. and if you guys haven't seen it, I will provide a link in the show notes to the episode. It's online at the moment. I don't know how long it'll stay online for, no. but it is on the we'll S- up there for a couple of weeks, I think. It is on the SBS website. So I, if you just head to sewyourhome.com slash 89 and uh, there will be a link there to the to the program. It goes for about an hour and it is it is really interesting viewing. If you've got any kind of interest in stuff and simplifying and, and the reason that we attach meaning to things, I think you'll find it really interesting. Uh, but the reason I wanted to, to kind of talk all about all of that was basically because it highlighted one of my biggest issues with the idea of minimalism 
What do you mean? I'm always like I'm always really leery of being tagged a minimalist. First of all, because I do not like labels. I like I just don't. I don't think they help in any way. And that's how you were branded on the show. Yes, and that's that kind of pissed me off to be perfectly honest. And I knew they were going to do it. But it, it really did bug me because I said from the get-go with all my conversations with the producers that I don't really identify as a minimalist. Uh, I'm just someone who's simplified. You know, I probably identify more with the idea of slow living than anything. Yeah. But look, they had they had a job to do and I don't begrudge them that job. It's much easier to present like a black and white view of things, particularly when you've only got like 45 minutes to tell a story. Yeah. Fine. That's yeah. that's totally their job. It's totally their choice. And they were all really nice people and I don't think there was any malice <coughs> in it at all. But I just don't love labels no. of any description. Uh, but particularly I think in this instance because it becomes then about comparison. There's probably a, a few issues that I have, but that's one of the biggest ones. It just becomes comparison. And when you say minimalism – People conjure up these ideas in their head of what that looks like and then it becomes, but my house doesn't look like that or I could never live like that or that's, you know, that that's too little or that's too much or that person has too many shoes. People were talking about the number of shoes that I owned. Yeah, so this, this directly <laughs> relates back to the feedback you got yes. from the show. So whether that was just through social media channels because you were – actively tweeting during the show. So you've got you've got quite a lot of feedback and judgment from people. No, no, look, on Twitter it was fine. It was just people talking about the show and it was almost all deservedly focused on the bravery and the, the courage of the people, the hoarders, yeah. who were in there talking about their story. And I was wholeheartedly in agreement with that because yeah. that was the, the heart of the story. Uh, there was a Facebook um, a few Facebook feeds that people started to comment on and I actually stopped reading it because I didn't put myself out there in order to hear what other people thought about the way I lived and that was my biggest issue with it. I don't want to be judged on the way I live and that's why I don't like putting myself out there as this person, uh, you know, who, who is a minimalist or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, people were having discussions about how many shoes that I owned and it, it seemed like it was too many for a minimalist. You know, she's got eight pairs of shoes. That's too many for a minimalist. It's like, yeah, as a minimalist, you can't have any more than four. That's it, you know. And it's what like is, these rules what that is people that? create. You know, if I had 20 pairs of shoes but three T-shirts, would that make me a minimalist? Like that kind of stuff drives me mad because it's yeah. saying that there is a right way and a wrong way or, you know, too much or too little. Yeah, And exactly. it's got nothing to do with that. I have what I have. I like what I have. I use everything I have. You know, and that's all I ever ask of people who ask me for advice too. Mm. You go and figure out what works for you. Don't worry about a list. Don't worry about counting the items and comparing it to your favourite minimalism blogger or anything like that. And that was probably my, my biggest bugbear about it and is my biggest bugbear about minimalism. The other thing is when people get really entrenched in the idea of minimalism, it becomes the exact Opposite, opposite of hoarding with the exact same um, sort of implications. What do you mean? So um, hoarding is very simplistic, very general, uh, you know, um, definition. It's like an obsession with the things that we own and not being able to let go of them and kind of giving them too much meaning and assigning way too much emotional importance to them, way too much 
you know, for, the, for what's healthy, I guess. Um, and if people get really hardcore into minimalism, they become just as obsessive about their things, but getting rid of them and questioning every single item constantly and constantly and constantly. Like at some point, you just have to stop and go and live. For mm. me, for, for me, that that is a, a big issue with the idea of this, this hardcore minimalism movement. People can... And most people don't. Most people get to a point where they're like, wow, I'm comfortable and content. Yeah. And we have enough. We have not too much, not too little, just enough. Let's go and focus on other things. But when undoubtedly you go through this process of decluttering and simplifying, and it might take you years of, you know, just kind of dipping into your stuff occasionally and pulling out what you don't need or reimagining what it is that's important and getting rid of the excess but once it becomes like this all-encompassing thing and this way that you identify yourself, to me that's, that can be, can be detrimental. So I think that's one of the biggest, uh, the biggest criticisms people have of minimalism when they don't know what, what it actually looks like. It's, it's basically an obsession with stuff just from the other side. So I, I would certainly not want to be involved in encouraging that either. No. It's like this militant. <clears throat> yeah, it is. And it ties in with, you know, the Joneses, Mr. and Mrs. Jones and what they have and what you have and what the minimalist Joneses have and why what you have is too much or, you know, not yeah, not clutter-free enough or whatever. It just mm. – I just think it, it can be really problematic and it also kind of encourages people to defer their happiness until they get to a certain level of ownership one way or the other, you know, I'll be happy when I own three pairs of shoes, for example. I'll be happy when our living room is clutter-free. No, just be happy now. Mm. Work towards the goal, fine, but don't let your stuff, you know. Dictate. Exactly. The end game. What I, what I really. <laughs> I'm so sorry for being a ranty pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on my high horse now as well. Um what I didn't, what I found really frustrating is seeing the the feedback, um, the negative. Most of it, you're right. Oh, 99 90, 90%. 90%. 93% <laughs> was positive. Are those comments about our home, our, our home being soulless? And it really frustrated me because I'm like, you'll see, if you've seen it already, they did a sort of little mini tour of our house where it was just the camera and it was just panning through a couple of the rooms, including mm. our bedroom and kitchen and, and living room. Just friggin' weird. Really weird. But anyway, that's what they did and we allowed them to do it. Yes. No problem with that because that was our choice. But the issue that I had with it was, with it was that people were saying, oh, your, your house, your home, your home is so soulless. And I immediately thought, well, that's because you're just seeing a house. You're seeing just the shell. You don't have the people which create the home. Exactly. And so if you have people in that house, that's a home and that's what makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, a house doesn't have a soul. It's just frames and walls and things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's so that's, true. That really frustrated me, the fact that people were just kept on saying, well, oh, it's so – I don't – well, if that's minimalism, I don't want any part of it. You know, it's so soulless. Well, yeah, because – doesn't have any people in it. Mm. Which is very much in keeping with like, our philosophy on stuff and a home. Like, home is where 
like cliche, but home is where the heart is. We could be in a different country and have a backpack each and still be at home because the people are the important thing. And I do think that that, that kind of criticism is indicative, though, of um, maybe our like society's sort of twisted approach to stuff. Like personality comes from knickknacks and, you know, the things that we choose to surround ourselves with. Like we tie our identity to our stuff, which, of course, I think you wouldn't be surprised to hear me say that I disagree with that. But maybe that that person who said that our house was soulless and cold, that was more reflective of the fact that they tie their identity to their belongings. And that's yeah. where their, the personality of, of home comes from. No doubt. Like, yeah. Look, I'm, I don't know the person, but, um, you know, that, that to me is indicative. It wasn't just one person. Okay. I'm trying to downplay it <laughs> because the vast majority of feedback was like, oh, either, was either positive or totally. going, okay, good for them. Mm. You know, um, which which I think is probably the best response when you're faced with something that is not appealing to you. you go, awesome. Yeah. Good for you, not for me. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> an SBS program called Insight and Brooke was part of that and it was aired oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, so beginning of beginning of July. 9th of July, I think it was. Because 12th. 12th, yeah. It was. It was the 12th. Well done. It was a week ago. I would love to hear what you guys, if you had seen it, uh, what you thought of it. I know we were talking a bit about it on a, a, a on the Facebook page, but either leave a, a comment on today's post or head over to Facebook and let us know. Um, because I, I think, look, it was interesting. And, again, no regrets being a part of something that continues the conversation, I think, about stuff and our attachment to it. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to know what, what you guys thought of it. And I'd be very surprised at how you guys, your guys' opinion of hoarders are after the, after the program because mine definitely changed. I would have loved to have recorded a, lo- a podcast of us watching that live mm. and just my reaction from the start and mm. then the end would have been fascinating. But anyway, very insightful for me and and um, I learnt a lot from that as I think you did as well. I did I'm, and even if I hadn't have appeared on the show, I was just glad to have sat in there and listened to the people's stories and their struggles and very, very real and raw emotions at some points during the filming uh, and it was – I felt really lucky actually to be a part of it and understand it just that little bit more. Um, yeah. So thanks again for letting us uh, have a break. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back on Monday with our regular uh, Monday show. We've got a new experiment, slow home experiment coming back in August. But until then. And we'll, sorry, and Mondays we'll review. Plastic free July. That wasn't a real. It wasn't an experiment. It was just something that we were doing because it was timely and um, yeah, it was challenging in its own way. Uh, But we'll be back on Monday with that. And the show notes for today's episode will be at uh, slowyourhome.com slash 87 as usual. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.